0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. This uh, past week, I was walking along 21st Street, coming toward Calvary Church for a meeting, and as I walked along, I saw our Associate Rector, Ben Dehart on the sidewalk, some distance in front of me, and a crowd of people walking toward me. And so I waved my arm in the air, and I shouted, Hey, Ben! And with a big smile on my face, I walked toward him. And I was just a few feet away, and I had just said, How are you doing, Ben? When I realized it wasn't Ben. So embarrassing. So I I tried to pretend that I was really looking at a guy further down the sidewalk, but uh, that fellow just gave me a weird look. So there's an important question behind that embarrassing moment. The question is, what are the dynamics that can affect our ability to recognize? What are some factors that keep us from recognizing one another? The American uh, composer, Aaron Copeland, tells the story about a time when he was uh, browsing in a bookstore, and he noticed uh, a young woman buying a book that he had just written. The book was titled, uh, What to Listen for in Music, and she also had a paperback copy of a play by Shakespeare in her other hand. And so Copeland was in a generous mood, and so he walked up to the young woman, and he said to her, would you like me to autograph your book? And looking up into the composer's beaming face, she said, Which one? <laughs> so that woman had a dynamic that clouded her ability to recognize. Her dynamic was the fact that she'd only read about Copeland, uh, didn't actually know what he looked like. Um, another dynamic, of course, was her tenuous grasp on the fact that Shakespeare had been dead for 400 years. <laughs> Another dynamic that can cloud our ability to recognize is the experience of profound disappointment. Sadness can cloud any recognition of hope. Grief can crowd any recognition of new life. Uh, Fear can completely obscure any hope. I remember, you know, after I was wounded in Vietnam and when the shock wore off and I was in the hospital and I was afraid, uh, in that period I was completely unable uh, to have any experience of God being real for me for a period of time. I mean, recently I just read about a television reporter in England and the reporter was talking about the death of a young girl. And that girl had taken her own life because she was overwhelmed by the cruelty of her classmates who were making fun of her because she was overweight. And the newscaster read the report with a very matter-of-fact, business-like, unemotional voice. But then the newscaster paused and then looked at the camera and said, Isn't that the worst thing that you have ever heard? Just overwhelming in its sadness. Overwhelming. David Ford, who is the Regis Professor of Theology uh, at the University of Cambridge, calls our time the age of overwhelmedness. He says that we're exposed every day to such sorrow and such suffering that we feel utterly overwhelmed. And that's why the story in today's gospel that Ben just read is so compelling. That's why it's got such a ring of truth because it connects with experiences that you and I have had of being disappointed or afraid or sad or just wiped out with a tsunami of grief and we become so overwhelmed that we simply can't recognize any hope or any new life. It's a very simple story in today's gospel. These two fellows are walking west at the end of the day They're walking towards, away from Jerusalem, they're walking into the sunset, and they're going home. And as they walk along, this stranger joins them, and he started to tell this fellow some of the things that are on their hearts. And they tell him that a few days earlier they've come to Jerusalem for the Passover and to specifically look for a man named Jesus, because they'd been hearing about him, they'd heard that he was a prophet, but they were hoping that he was something more. They say to the stranger, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. And the uh, preacher, Barbara Brown Taylor, says of this verse, hope in the past tense, one of the saddest sounds a human being can make. I mean, I wonder how you and I might connect with this verse. I wonder how we might complete the sentence, we had hoped. I mean, what are the hopes that we might be looking for and the messiahs that uh, we've looked to to make these hopes happen? I mean, for instance, uh, we had hoped that our Calvary St. George's Director of Operations, Mark Tenniswood, was to be the one to come up with a plan to fund uh, a new staff member for youth ministry, uh, to create a parking lot for the church out in Gramercy Park, uh, to... (laughs) to have air conditioning in this sanctuary, and Messiah Tenniswood has let us down. (laughs) We had hoped that Jacob and Ben and Jim and Nancy and Tom and Jay would be the ones, the ones from this pulpit who would have words so profound that all of our questions about how to have faith would be wiped away forever. And Messiah's Smith and DeHart and Monroe and Hannah and Pike and Gardner have let us down. We had hoped that former Secretary of State uh, John Kerry would be the one to finally broker a full and lasting peace between Israelis and Palestinians, and Messiah Kerry has let us down. We had hoped. And so in today's gospel, what happens The stranger on the road says to these two fellows, Oh, how slow of heart you are. And I don't think he says it in a sarcastic tone. I think he says it with some compassion. Oh, how slow you are to recognize the real Messiah. How slow you are to see that your homegrown Messiahs just can't make it. How slow you are to see that the real Messiah is not the one who wins the power struggle in Washington or in our own hearts. He's the one who chooses to lose it. How slow you are to see that the real Messiah is not the undefeated champion. He's the suffering servant. How slow you are to see that the real Messiah isn't the one who ascends the throne He's the one who ascends the cross. How slow you are to see that the real Messiah is not recognized by his gold's gym muscles, but by his scars. And that, in fact, is how the story turns out. These two fellows invite the stranger to have dinner with them, and they sit down to eat. And the stranger says grace, and he breaks a loaf of bread in two, and suddenly their eyes are opened. And they see that the stranger is Jesus, alive and vibrant and radiating love. And the passage doesn't say it, but I bet that when Jesus broke that loaf in two, these two fellows could see the scars of the nail holes in his hands. And the story ends with these two fellows trying to describe this experience, and they can only say, our hearts burned within us. And that's my prayer this morning at the end of an amazing Mockingbird Conference. My prayer for you and for me that our hearts may burn within us when we are met by the only one who can fully handle our emptiness. That our hearts may burn within us when we are met by the only one who can handle our deepest sorrows. When we are met by the one who is the suffering servant and does not need to win the power struggle, that our hearts may burn within us when we see that the love of this scarred Messiah can touch every single hurt in the depths of our hearts. Now, for those of you who were at the Mockingbird Conference, you remember that the very first evening we heard from an amazing man, an Episcopal priest named Aaron Zimmerman. And I want to close with a little story about Aaron and about a time in which his heart burned within him on his own Emmaus Road. Aaron and his wife had a two-week vacation from their church, and on the second week, they deposited their children uh, with uh, the grandparents and had a week to themselves. And it was a wonderful time. Uh, they did a lot of projects around the house. They visited some places uh, nearby that they hadn't been to. They went on some lovely hikes. And it was terrific, except that every night when Aaron got into bed, he found himself being overwhelmed by some anxieties and fears. The vacation was ending. He had a sermon to write on Sunday. There was a wedding on Saturday. The fall education programs needed planning. There were some staff conflicts that he had to take care of. And the anxiety hit him night after night. He said that he woke up every morning with a sore jaw because his teeth had been grinding through the night. And on the third night after it happened, Aaron woke up at 1 a.m. and he couldn't sleep, so he went into the living room and he began to pray. And as he prayed, he had a vision. And he said afterwards that he was not a vision kind of guy, that this sort of thing didn't normally happen. But as he was praying, he had a vivid picture of Jesus standing with him in that room and just quietly looking at him. And he also saw himself standing there And he realized, Aaron did, that he was carrying an armload full of boulders. And he understood that each boulder was a picture of one of his anxieties and fears. And he said the armload was so full that he couldn't see over them to the face of Jesus, just as these two fellows on the Emmaus Road didn't recognize Jesus. And as he stood there, he heard Jesus say to him, Let me Take the boulders. And one by one, Jesus reached out and took a hold of a boulder from Aaron and held it in his own arms. Until finally, Jesus was holding all the boulders and Aaron was standing up straight and free and light. And he thought, what a wonderful vision. And then he realized that the vision wasn't older, over. Because as he stood there, he saw Jesus beginning to grow in size. He was getting bigger. Until finally, he was so big that those enormous boulders, which had not changed in size at all, were just little pebbles in the hands of Jesus. And then he saw Jesus put those pebbles into the pocket of the coat that Jesus was wearing. And then Jesus looked at Aaron And he smiled a sweet, sweet smile that was full of love. And Aaron said of that moment, I realized that Jesus had deep pockets and my heart burned within me. So I have an invitation for you and for me this morning. Each one of us here knows someone who's feeling a little overwhelmed right now. Each one of us knows someone who's given up some hopes as their homemade messiahs haven't really worked. Each one of us here this morning knows somebody who's got some boulders. And I want to invite you and invite myself to seek that person out this coming week and to invite them to come to church next Sunday along with their boulders, to bring that person with you and to bring them to a place where we break bread together and where Jesus has very deep pockets and where sometimes our hearts really burn within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving thank you